you for listening to Trekker Talk, a fan podcast devoted to the adventures of 23rd century bounty hunter Mercy St. Clair, from the pages of Trekker Comics by creator, writer, and artist Ron Randall. I'm Darren. And I'm Ruth. This is a fan podcast. We're not affiliated with Ron Randall, and the opinions expressed are just ours. We do this podcast simply because we enjoy reading and talking about Trekker and any of Ron Randall's other comics. Please consider visiting trekkercomic.com. That's Ron Randall's official site dedicated to Mercy St. Clair. It features a new page of Trekker material each Monday, where the Chapeltown storyline is currently in progress. It's a fun sci-fi adventure with a retro western feel. Definitely worth checking out. There you'll also see links to the ways to follow Ron Randall on social media, including Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. TrekkerComic.com also has a link to his Patreon page, where you can donate to help support the creation of brand new Trekker material if you want. For a small monthly donation, you get an early look at each week's page, along with a behind-the-scenes look at the development of the page. As a Patreon supporter, you can also get PDF copies of the various Trekker stories and, of course, the satisfaction of knowing you're helping support new Trekker material. In this episode, we're covering Trial by Fire, the final story in the Trekker Omnibus. This collection was published in 2013 and includes all of the Trekker material up to that point in time. It's available in a printed trade paperback, or you can get a digital copy from Comixology or the Dark Horse Comics app, as well as from the Amazon Kindle store. And later in the episode, we'll share some of the great comments and feedback we've received since last time. The show is more fun for everyone when we hear from you. It's a pleasure to share your comments, so please write in and let us know what you think. Tell us how you discovered Trekker. What do you like best about the world and the series? Which characters do you like most? And what is your favorite issue? Any stories and opinions you want to share will really be appreciated. So stop by trekkertalk.com for links to all of our social media connections, or send us an email at trekkertalk at gmail.com, and we'll include your comments in a future episode. Trial by Fire is a 26-page story that was published in June 1999 in the Trekker Special from Image Comics. It is included in the Trekker Omnibus from pages 297 through 324. The story is written and illustrated by Ron Randall. Colors are by Moose Bowman and Ron Randall. The cover is by Ron Randall, Carl Kiesel, and Moose Bowman. Letters are by Ron Randall. The gorgeous cover features a scene of mercy at dusk with the new Gelf skyline behind her. Her cape is flowing in the wind, and she has her gun in hand. Mercy and Paul are returning to Mercy's apartment after a date. Meanwhile, across town, a shadowed figure wearing a hat and overcoat carries a duffel bag into a dark alley near a building. Moments later, there is a huge explosion, bringing the building crashing to the ground. While Paul sleeps beside her, Mercy lies awake, thinking about how dark and cold her life feels. Then a voice blasts over Paul's police radio, calling personnel to the location of the explosion. As Paul flies his skimmer to the destination, Mercy uses her reeler to follow along. It wouldn't be appropriate for the two of them to arrive together, given the general feelings that the police and Trekkers have for one another. But even though the two of them arrive separately, Uncle Alex's knowing glance shows he wasn't fooled. He knows they were together. This is the third in a series of fireball bombings, and Alex wants Mercy's help. But Mercy isn't the only Trekker on site, as her uncle introduces her to Booth, another Trekker who arrived just before she did. Booth suggests the two of them work together, but Mercy just stares at him and says, No thanks, and turns and flies away with her reeler. Booth glances to the ground at a small piece of electronics, and while no one is watching, 
He crushes it with his boot, obviously destroying evidence. Mercy is canvassing the streets, looking for information. She meets up with Lasmusi, who tells her he's heard the bombings are being done by off-worlders, but he hasn't learned more than that yet. Returning home, Mercy is ambushed by a gang. The group of four men are obviously being led by the woman holding a stun gun. Mercy sees the broken window in the background where the group entered her apartment. Their airbikes hover beside the building. As two of the men hold Mercy, the woman shocks her with the stun gun. The woman is obviously the leader of the gang and tells Mercy they've been sent because she's been asking too many questions. Just then, neighbor and history professor Thompson Richards bursts through the door. He's had a crush on Mercy and sees his opportunity to be a knight in shining armor. And while he is quickly pinned to the floor by the other two men, the distraction gives Mercy the chance to use her reeler as a weapon as she fires it into the face of one of the men holding her. She then pivots and pulls out her gun, shooting all of the men in the room in quick succession. The woman jumps through the broken window onto one of the hovering airbikes and speeds away. Mercy jumps onto one of the other airbikes and races off after her. Mercy maneuvers her bike above and then fires on the airbike below, which explodes. Mercy leaps from her bike, grabbing the gang leader. Mercy then shoots her reeler and begins to pull the two up to safety. But to Mercy's surprise, the woman takes out the stun gun and shocks Mercy again, causing her to lose her grip. Mercy stares in shock as the woman plummets to the street below. Back at her home, the police are collecting the dead bodies when Jason Bolt shows up. Mercy has little patience for Helm or Rigel, the pacifist group he works for, and she makes a point to call him Space Case, which is her nickname for Helm. He returns the favor calling her Firecracker, as he did when they first met. He tells her Rigel has intercepted communications between the governing Galactic Council and knows they are working with the Sha'arn, an alien race from the Ursus sector, to negotiate space routes in that region. Rigel thinks those negotiations have something to do with the bombings. Over lunch in the park, Mercy tells Molly about the case so far and her run-ins with both Booth and Jason Bolt. As Molly makes a comment about being confident that Mercy will make the right choices, Mercy chastises her for sounding too much like Bolt. Mercy continues her investigation before joining Paul for dinner. He's asking her to move in with him, just for a month, he says, on a trial basis. Mercy tries to appease him by telling him he's not on trial, but she is avoiding answering the question about moving in when a message is delivered to her. It's from Les Moosey, telling her to check out Gafferty Towers. Paul gives Mercy a lift to Gafferty Towers. As she leaps from his skimmer, she tells him to call it in. She races down to the dark basement, knowing any explosion will likely target the foundation. She hears a noise and is surprised to see Paul has followed her. The two see movement in the distance, and the two begin to sneak toward the crouching figure in a long overcoat. Paul yells out, freeze, police, but it isn't a human in the overcoat, it's a Sha'arn. It is tall and powerful, and throws Paul to the ground before pressing the detonator. Mercy leaps just in time to prevent the trigger from igniting the full explosion, but it still starts a fire that spreads quickly and begins to engulf the basement. With Paul down, the alien turns toward Mercy, but then Booth shows up with a gun in hand, and before Mercy's eyes, he changes into another Sha'arn. 
he was wearing a chameleon belt. And then the sinister story comes out. The Sha'arn sent the arsonist to dispose of some of the most vocal opponents to the trade route negotiations with the Galactic Council. The large deadly explosions were intended to cover up who the real targets were. But now that work is done, so Booth has been sent to dispose of the arsonist to prevent the discovery of any connection to the Sha'arn. That means that all of them have to die. Booth raises his gun toward Mercy, but just as he fires a laser blast, Paul leaps in front of Mercy and the shot rips through his chest. In the confusion, the arsonist leaps at Booth and the two aliens tumble into the burning fire. Mercy sits in stunned silence and cradles the dead body of Paul Clemens in her arms as the fire rages all around her. This is both one of my favorite Trekker stories, but also one I always dread reading. Paul's death is heartbreaking. He truly loved Mercy, as he always said, and was always willing to do anything and everything for her, and he proved it here, giving his life to save hers. I thought Ron Randall handled the end of the story perfectly by having the two aliens take each other out by falling into the fire, because it is clear that Mercy is in shock following Paul's death. Seeing her sitting there, staring at his lifeless face is chilling. Ron Randall packs a ton of story in these pages and gives us a couple more really nice montage scenes of Mercy's investigations. I always like those montages. They do such a nice job of conveying how much investigation work Mercy has to do without slowing down the story. It was nice to see Thompson Richards make his return to the series, doing his best impression of a knight in shining armor. And for those new listeners, this character is a tribute to singer Richard Thompson, who Ron Randall is a fan of. And I just want to comment that the leader of the gang that ambushes Mercy is a character designed perfectly for Ryan Daly of the Power of Fishnets podcast, which is devoted to fishnet-wearing superheroes Black Canary and Zatanna. Hope you liked it, Ryan. Now let's take a few minutes to talk about our favorite pages and panels. Ruth, what were your favorite pages? Okay, turn to page 305. Okay. It's a favorite when Mercy is leaving the crime scene after meeting Booth. I like the inset panels on the top left and the effect of Mercy's figure overlapping onto the other panels as she is zipping away on that reeler. The red and purple color palette looks terrific, and her body movement and the folds of the cloth of her costume are just perfect. I agree completely about that page. I loved that top set of panels as well, in particular. Now, if you'll flip to page 311. Okay. That could count as a page or a panel, but I'll include it here as a favorite page. It shows Mercy racing off on the air cycle. I love the perspective as the bike angles upward, and the expression on Mercy's face is intense. Plus, I like the way her hair is blowing in the wind because of how fast she's going. It looks great. It really does, and you've just named two pages that I didn't include in mine, but I almost did. I love both of those pages as well. There's so many great ones to choose from. There are too many in this issue. Right. (laughs) (laughs) To narrow it down, you can't. Now, just the very next page for me on 312 for my very favorite. I think the action sequences here are awesome. It starts with Mercy zooming into view on the hover bike in the top left corner. The lines of the skyscrapers add to the perspective of the height as they are flying in the sky. And that close-up panel of the gang leader as she fires her weapon is great. And the powerful impact of the explosion is shown so well in the layout and colors. I agree. So I guess for my favorite pages, we'll flip back to pages 300 and 301. Okay, really near the beginning. That's right. 
So that page, or those two pages, it's a two-page spread, feature a panel that stretches across the top of both pages, showing the explosion near the beginning of the story. Everything about it is stunning, including the coloring and the shading, the angles at which the building is falling, and the way a car is being thrown across the page by the blast. It's just all great. Meanwhile, the bottom of the page offers a quiet scene of Mercy sitting in bed as Paul sleeps beside her, and the expression on her face conveys so much emotion. So much contrast between the top and bottom on that page. Yes. And then you just have to flip a couple of pages to my next one, which is page 303. That's a favorite because it has so much variety. At the top of the page, Paul is flying in his skimmer, and we see Mercy in the background swinging on her reeler. In the center of the page, Mercy swings down at the crime scene where her uncle Alex is waiting for her. And then the bottom of the page has a fun close-up of Alex, who isn't fooled by Mercy and Paul arriving separately because he can tell they were together. And my winning page is going to be very familiar to you because it's page 312. Ah, I know that one. (laughs) That's right. That was your winning page, too. This is where Mercy is on the air bike and jumps and knocks the gang leader off her bike. You mentioned several things about it. I'll just chime in and say, again, the colors here are gorgeous. And the way the different angles are drawn make the page look almost dizzying. It's a great page. No wonder we both loved it. Uh, It's impressive work on the perspective there. Just an exciting page. Yes. Now let's take a close look at some panels. And first up, if you would turn to page 303. Okay. The top panel shows some of the cityscape. Paul is flying a skimmer, and Mercy is in the background, in silhouette, zipping forward on the reeler. The night sky has a green tint and dark clouds, and the coloring effects for the headlights of the skimmer are perfect. They really glow out of the page. That just struck me the first time I saw that. I definitely agree with you there, because that was what my runner-up favorite page. Okay, next, turn to page 318. Okay. Look for the top left corner panel. I like the movement of the skimmer approaching the tower and the movement of Mercy hopping out of it as it is still in motion. I love that too. And of course, we realize she is such a good athlete. Ron Randall does a great job of demonstrating her strength and agility in scenes like this. I also like the lighting colors and perspective in the panel. Well, my favorite panel is from part of your favorite pages, Darren. It's the one that goes across page 300 and 301 Uh and has the title of the story. I think it is dramatically illustrated and has that beautifully colored explosion in the night. Debris is flying out in all directions, and I really like the way the colors transition from the center of the explosion to the outer edges. And for my favorite panels, we'll just turn forward a few pages to page 306. That's one of the montages of Mercy's investigation that I always comment that I like. And this one in particular, I like the way Ron Randall uses the wall of the building in the background to transition between two different scenes. It looks almost like part of the page was torn away, revealing another scene beneath it. It's really subtle and really nice. I appreciate you pointing that out. And then flipping forward to page 313, the left panel. This is just after Mercy knocked the gang leader off of her air bike. Mercy is holding the reeler in one hand and the gang leader in the other hand and the street is far below in the distance, creating a great 3D effect. And we'll flip to page 323 for my winning panel, which is a very sad panel. It's the very bottom panel on that page. It's the view of Mercy from behind. She is slumped over Paul's dead body while the large fire rages in the background. 
I know I've said it often in this issue, but again, the colors here are beautiful and the body language creates so much emotion. It's a really dramatic image. You're right. It's both beautiful and sad at the same time. Yes. And that brings us to the end of the omnibus. And if you've been following along in the omnibus, you'll find a sketchbook follows trial by fire. It starts with the image used for the cover of the first Trek or Trade paperback that Dark Horse released back in 1988. My copy of that trade went missing one of the times we moved, but while doing some spring cleaning just this year, I found my copy. So it will be going with me to get Ron Randall's signature on it when we get to see him at a con this fall. It also includes the original pitch art that Ron Randall used when he first proposed the Trekker series. Mercy looks terrific there. A few pages over, you'll find some early promotional pieces, character designs, and cover art. We were delighted to find a crossover pinup in the sketchbook that pairs Mercy St. Clair with Lester Girls from the Trouble with Girls series from the late 80s and early 90s. We were faithful readers of that excellent comedy adventure series written by Will Jacobs and Gerard Jones with art by Tim Hamilton. Such a great fun series. There are also different early pencil versions of some pages. It's a great opportunity to see Ron Randall's art. This sketchbook is a wonderful bonus to this collection and another good reason to pick up the omnibus. After Trial by Fire, it was more than 10 years before the next Trekker story. But thankfully, Mercy does return in the excellent story, The Train to Avalon Bay, and we'll be covering it soon. But we have special tangent episodes planned for the next couple of months, so we'll come back to Trekker in the fall. In the interim, we hope you enjoy our upcoming Tangent episodes. So keep listening. Thank you. Now it's time for Who's Who, when we talk about significant characters from the stories and get to know them just a little bit better. As we've said, we don't look ahead because we don't want to spoil the stories for anyone reading them for the first time. And I'm sure some of you appreciate that, this episode in particular. But that means we'll revisit characters over time as we learn more things about them. Mercy St. Clair is a bounty hunter known as a trekker. She lives in Antari Alley, which is a bad part of New Gellif. She spends most of her money on weapons for her job and food for her pet scuff, which is a dox, and is a cross between a dog and a fox. Alex St. Clair is Mercy's uncle and a lieutenant in the police force. The police and trekkers don't generally like each other, but these two definitely care for each other and sometimes collaborate on cases, like they did here. Molly Sundowner is a local shopkeeper and Mercy's best friend. She takes care of Scuff when Mercy is away and is generous to a fault. Lasmusi is an underworld figure, and while he and Mercy certainly aren't on the same side, they have a grudging respect for one another. Here we see that he helps her out once again with some important information. Jason Bolt is a member of the mysterious Rigel organization. When we first met him, he gave Mercy the nickname Firecracker, and she countered giving him the nickname Space Case. And sadly, we say goodbye to Paul Clemens in this story, a police officer who worked in the same precinct as Uncle Alex. He was in love with Mercy and gave his life to save hers. We will miss you, Paul. Next up is Trekker Transmissions, where we share the listener feedback we've received since last time. Thanks to everyone for all of the great comments. They add so much to the show, so a big thank you to everyone who took the time to write in or to get in touch through social media. Before we get started with our feedback, we want to mention that Ron Randall's lovely wife, Lynn, tagged us on Facebook when she shared an article about a breed of dog that should look very familiar to any Trekker fan. The cute dog looks surprisingly like a cross between a fox and a dog, and has the incredible coloring of a red fox. Yes, the dox has arrived. It's actually a breed called a Pomsky, which is a cross between a Pomeranian and a Siberian Husky, 
but we certainly think the breed should be called a dox, and if we were lucky enough to have one, we would certainly name him Scuff. We will share the photos and article on our Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr pages so everyone can have a chance to see it, and we want to send a sincere thank you to Lynn for sharing it with us. Professor Allen of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network gets a gold star for the last episode. He had listened to the episode and sent us feedback within an hour of the show posting last time, commenting that he loved the story and the episode. That was before we even had the chance to promote that the new episode was available. Thank you for the enthusiasm and support, Professor Allen. Jeff Nettleton first discovered our shows through our Warlord Worlds podcast, and then he gave Traeger Talk a try. He wrote in after listening to the first three episodes to say, I've visited Ron Randall's site to read the stories, and I've since decided I need to pick up the omnibus. It feels rather like Blade Runner, which is a favorite of mine. Your recaps give me a pretty good mental picture, as well as an excellent idea of the story, and then reading the real thing just brings alive the points you make. I look forward to immersing myself more in this world. He wrote back a few episodes later to say, I've been binge listening to Trekker Talk, thanks to Vacation, and just finished the interview with Ron Randall. I'd forgotten that he was a Kubert School graduate. I really kicked myself for missing out on Trekker in the day, but school kept me distracted, and I was just starting to really dabble in the independence. The American was the first Dark Horse comic that I picked up, and that was after a few issues had come out. I ended up backtracking a lot of early Dark Horse stuff, which wasn't always easy. One series I greatly enjoyed, but didn't last long, was The Mark, about a hero who battles against a fascist government. Thanks, Jeff, for your always great comments. A few people commented on specific panels and pages from last time. To start, Eduardo Escobar said, I love the detail in the panel where Mercy crashes through the window to rescue the family. We agree, because I know we pointed that out last time. Great choice. And John Baker wrote about the title page, saying, I see how her clothing made her stand out from the drabness of her surroundings. She pops against the background. Hand on hips, one leg forward, a picture of self-assurance and professionalism. A very good panel. And John added, Bottle episode, perfected by the original Star Trek. It's all so wonderfully perfect. Learning is fun. And then his sister Ruth Reese and Brian Mulvey both chimed in on that conversation as well. Joe Crawford of For the Non-Discerning Reader blog told us, I always enjoy a good one-and-done story, and Mercy Killing is exactly that. My favorite page would have to be the last page. I like how it builds. Saying that, my favorite panel was a little harder to pick. I like the final illustrated panel of Mercy swooping in with both guns firing, but I think I will go with the panel too just above it. I like how the door frames her with the light coming over her shoulder, making her look like a dark angel of mercy. Joe was happy that we mentioned the Air Fighters episodes of Mark Sweeney's I'm the Gun podcast. He said, I'm a huge Blackhawk and Airboy fan, so I can't wait to listen to these. Thanks for the recommendation. Hope you enjoyed them, Joe. Joe also has been reading ahead and has already read the train to Avalon Bay, but we're going to save his comments on that until we get to those issues. We read some nice comments on social media about the song Just Like Bruce Campbell did from the group Joe Hero that we played at the end of last episode. Brian Mulvey commented, Just Like Bruce Campbell did, eh? Great song to close out episode 17. And he shared with us that he's been watching Briscoe County Jr. recently, so the timing of this song was perfect for him. Tony Greenall shared a lot of positive comments and original tweets about the show that we sincerely appreciated. He listened to Trekker Talk before going to bed, saying the theme tune rings through the dark. I'll be dreaming of New Gellif. He added a fine listen as always and enjoyed the band at the end. We're always happy to hear from people who are reading Trekker for the first time, so it was a treat to hear from Ashford of the podcasts Feathers and Foes and Straight Out of Gallifrey. 
He picked up the omnibus and let us know he's had a lot of fun reading it. Paul Hicks made a comment that he can tell the types of titles we're interested in, and he said he expected us to start a Grindle podcast any day now. And while we are at our maximum output of podcasts, we did let him know that he knows us well by sending him a photo of a print we got at Baltimore Comic Con in the past that is signed by Ron Randall that features Mercy St. Clair with Grendel. Dr. G, man of nerdology of the Pulp to Pixel podcast Welcome to Astro City, read the new issue of Astro City that features Ron Randall as guest artist. We had fun comparing notes with him, and we're all looking forward to the next issue that also features Ron Randall on art. I especially like this observation from the good Dr. G. I like the kinetic nature of Randall's art in this piece. He has a lighter hand with the inks that brings more of the lightness to the art overall. And he said, I can't wait to see how he handles the quiet moments and close-ups that have been an artistic strength of this series for years now. And in another Kurt Busick crossover, Joe Crawford wrote to ask us if we had read The Regulators. He heard it covered on Indie Comic Book Noise, episode 382. It was published by Image Comics in the mid-1990s and was by Kurt Busick and Ron Randall. We weren't familiar with it, but thanks to Joe, we're going to track it down. And we got a wonderful new iTunes review that was titled Creating Fans by Predonian Post. Ruth and Darren made a Trekker fan out of me in just one show. Their descriptions, insights, and passion convinced me to take time out of my budget and busy schedule just to see what Mercy St. Clair is all about. The duo brings a dignity to podcasting that I didn't know was possible. Thank you so much for those kind words. We really appreciate it. Plus, there's a Doctor Who reference there, and we like that as well. Great. Drop us a note by email because we have a contest going on for anyone who writes an iTunes review for any of our shows, and we want to make sure you are in the drawing. We want to extend our Trekker thanks to everyone who supported us on social media since last episode. These are people who liked or shared posts from us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Your support helps draw attention to the podcast and best of all helps to spread the word about the Trekker series. And please consider leaving an iTunes review. It can really help make the show easier to find in searches. Before we start, let me say if we miss a name, please let us know and we'll correct it in the next episode. And also forgive us if we mispronounce your name. Just email us and let us know. We'd be happy to correct that next time as well. Andy Capellish, Ashford of Feathers and Foes and Straight Out of Gallifrey. Brian Mulvey. Chris Mounts. Christopher Mills, Clinton Robison of the Coffee and Comics blog, Comic Reflections with Nicholas Prom, Comics in the Golden Age with Mike and Chris, Colin Stapleton from the Worst Comics Podcast Ever, in name only, Dan O'Connor, David Joel, Diablo Frank of the Idlehead of Diablo Martian Manhunter blog, Dominic Brucautel, Dr. G. Manhunterology from Pulp to Pixel Podcasts, Ed Terry and Nick Moore of Till Productions, Eduardo Escobar, Gene Hendricks from The Hammer Strikes and Anime Freaks. Ivan Henley. Jeremy Colwell, Colorist Extraordinaire. Joe Crawford from the blog for the Non-Discerning Reader. The great band Joe Hero that provided the song just like Bruce Campbell did. John Baker. John Haworth. Karima Med Hamden. Karen Williams of Between the Pages. Carl Kiesel of Helioscope Studio. Laura Toledo. Link Butler from the band Joe Hero. Mark Sweeney from the I'm the Gun blog and podcast. Martin Gray of the Too Dangerous blog. Michael Carlisle from Crapbox Son of Cthulhu blog. Michael Chin. Michael Lane of Comics in the Golden Age. Panayiotis Dracopoulos. Paul Hicks of the Waiting for Doom podcast. Peter McCafferty. Professor Allen of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. Robert Solomon. 
Ron and Lynn Randall, Ruth Reese, Scott Hardesty of the Joe Hero Band, Tim Wallace of the Chord Industries Blue Beetle blog and the Phantom Skull Cave blog, Tony Greenall, Turgay Maiden, and Warren Montgomery of Will Lil Comics. It's time for the Trekker Toast Award, where we recognize someone who has gone above and beyond in supporting Trekker Talk. This person has an incredible blog that we visit often, and we are fortunate that she is such a remarkable supporter of Trekker Talk. She is obviously a big fan of Ron Randall, as she often shares tweets about his work and frequently gets involved in fun conversations with Trekker fans on social media. She has done a great job of promoting Trekker Talk from the very beginning and consistently likes and retweets our posts to help get the word out about our show. So we lift our glasses and give a thankful Trekker toast to Karen Williams. Congratulations, Karen. We sincerely appreciate all of the interesting photos and information you send our way, along with your consistent support. Thanks again, Karen, and we'll be back after we play a couple of promos for other podcasts that you might enjoy. Booster? Hey, bro. Gah! Bats! Booster! Together! Wow, well, this is great. This is just awesome. You never said you and Booster were friends. <laughs> it never came up. A consummate professional like you, friends with a dilettante like Booster? You're both my friends, okay? You're more of a work friend, and Booster is more of a fun friend. What's more fun than fighting crime? Ooh, he's got you there. Hi, this is FKA Jason's son again. I just wanted to take another minute of your time to tell you about his podcast, Silver and Gold. He and his buddy Roy Charlemagne Clary celebrate the DC Comics characters Booster Gold and Captain Adam, issue by issue, and blah, 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 blah. Listen, the real reason you want to listen to the Silver and Gold is their Throwback Thursday episodes, because I'm the star of those shows. Dad and I review the Silver Age Captain Adam stories published by Charlton Comics in the 1960s. You can find the Silver and Gold podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. You can also follow Dad's Splitting Adam's blog at CaptainAdamBlog.com. We all know the real reason you'll be tuning in is to hear me criticize, uh, I mean, celebrate the Silver Age Captain Adam in our Throwback Thursday episodes. I can't believe Dad roped me into this. Searching for silver and gold If you're alone When you grow old You'll never find comfort in silver and gold Ashford, what is Straight Out of Gallifrey? Straight Out of Gallifrey is a podcast where Josh and I talk about Doctor Who episodes, classic and new, featuring other Time Lords as well as the Doctor. There are other Time Lords? Oh yes. It started all the way back with the first Doctor, William Hartnell. Oh yeah, you told me about that. The Time Meddler. That's correct, Kirsten. Where can I find the episodes? You can always go to straightoutofgallifrey.lipson.com. I don't think I'll remember that. Just add us on Twitter. We are so Gallifrey, like S-O Gallifrey. Twitter feeds move too fast. I always miss stuff. Well, subscribe to us on iTunes. That way, every time we upload a new episode, you will get the alert on your smarting device. Cool, thanks. I can't wait to listen. Okay, Kirsten. See you later.
Why are you walking into that blue box? I'm going to have a couple of drinks with Mother Teresa of Calcutta. See ya. <laughs> you always say that. Whoa. It is real. So he does have drinks with Mother Teresa of Calcutta. It's time for What's Up, when we talk about other things going on outside the world of Trekker. We had a great time speaking with Ryan Daly on a recent episode of his excellent Secret Origins podcast. The focus of the episode was Green Arrow. Ryan is a terrific host who does several podcasts, and he asks some great questions, and he really knows his Green Arrow history, even though he has some issues with the character. And we just have to mention what an amazing job Ryan did editing the episode. There were some storms all along the East Coast the night we recorded, and the Skype call dropped several times. Yet Ryan was able to edit the show together into a seamless conversation. Fantastic job, Ryan. It was a fun conversation, and we'll include a link to the episode and his other podcast in our show notes. We were amused and honored to find ourselves cast by Siskoid in the leading and only roles of an installment of Romance Comics Theater on a recent episode of the Lonely Hearts podcast. We had fun trying our hands at acting out the scenes of a short comic called The Captain's Mate from 1959. Thankfully, Siskoi did a great job adding sound effects, which significantly enhanced our performance. Feel free to listen and laugh along with us. We'll also include a link to that show in our notes. Some of you may have seen the picture we posted of the fabulous Warlord Commission that Ron Randall did at Calgary Comic Expo. As many of you know, Ron Randall was the artist for a time on The Warlord after Mike Grell left the series. It was a great image of Travis Morgan. We'll share that on our social media again so everyone can see it. Here we come, walking down the street. We get the funniest looks from everyone we meet. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. And people say we monkey around. But we're too busy singing to put anybody down. I was fortunate to see the Monkees in concert when they recently passed through our area for their 50th anniversary tour. The music was outstanding, the crowd was super excited, and the visuals on a huge screen behind the stage added lots to the show as they played videos that showed off their personalities and created a fun history of the group over the years. The tickets were a nostalgic gift from Darren, and I can hardly believe that our history together with the Monkees goes back three decades. I watched the show periodically growing up, especially when it was being rerun on Saturday mornings in the early 1970s. And I first discovered the Monkees in 1986 when MTV ran a hugely successful marathon and then aired the show daily. They were fortunate to build new fans, and the nostalgia of the original fans helped them have a very successful 20th anniversary reunion tour that year. My first ever concert was the Monkees. Darren was able to get tickets to one of these shows near Washington, D.C., where some of his relatives lived, making it easy for us to have a place to spend the night. It was a terrific concert. I bought a 20th anniversary t-shirt when I saw them in 1986, and I was happy to wear that same t-shirt when we saw them recently. Of course, I bought a new 50th anniversary t-shirt as well. Over the years, we've seen them whenever we could, and it turns out we've seen them in a variety of combinations, but never all four at one time. Most recently, it was Mickey and Peter. Before that, it was Mickey, Peter, and Mike. And before that, we saw Mickey, Peter, and Davey together. Over the years, we've even managed to see solo concerts by all four of the Monkees. By the way, on Facebook, the Monkees have been live broadcasting short videos of their concerts. We caught a few of them, and they were fun to watch. 
And if you're a fan, you'll be happy to know they've just released a new album for the 50th anniversary called Good Times. It's a terrific album, and it's getting rave reviews. And we just read that it's going to debut in the top 10 on the Billboard chart. That's fantastic. I'm excited to hear that. We've had good luck seeing them in concert, and when I first saw them on MTV, I would have never guessed that I would have met them all individually over the years. Before the internet was the resource that it is today, I was a regular subscriber to a fanzine called Monkey Business. There, I learned that Mike Nesmith was doing a book signing near our home when we lived in Southern California, so I got to meet Mike then. Next, the fanzine let me know that Peter was playing with his band called the Shoe Suede Blues in a restaurant near the Santa Monica Pier, so we got to see that show. It was a casual atmosphere, and when the band took a break, I was able to walk over and easily get an autograph. It was awesome, and I was able to meet Mickey at Dragon Con one year. And we actually stayed on the same floor as Davy Jones in the hotel when we saw him at NostalgiaCon. I had to make an effort to look calm and cool when he was walking down the hallway with us one morning. Sadly, he passed away just five months after we saw him there. That was such a tragedy. Yeah, really sad. Before we go, we want to provide our contact information. Let us know your thoughts through email, Facebook, or Twitter. Also, if you like the show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. Every review helps the show be more likely to show up in search results to help get the show noticed and perhaps attract more listeners to Grow Trek or Fandom. And please consider subscribing to the show so you always know when there's a new episode. Plus, we also want to mention that Trek or Talk is now available on Google Play, so you have another way to listen to the show. And we are now a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network at comicspodcast.com. And we want to thank Ian and the team for their enthusiastic welcome. Thank you. We'd love to hear from you, so if you want to contact us directly, send us an email at trekkertalk at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr using the name TrekkerTalk. And you can always visit trekkertalk.com for links to all of our social media pages. Please use hashtag trekkercomic and hashtag trekkertalk in your messages to help other fans find and follow the conversations. For those of you interested in the music that Ron Randall listens to while working on Trekker, he uses the hashtag Trekker Soundtrack. Remember, at trekkercomic.com, you'll find a new page every Monday, as well as links to all of the ways you can find Ron Randall. You'll see that he often replies to tweets and Facebook posts, as well as on his Patreon site. So post to his pages and let him and other fans know what you think of his new Trekker material. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you'll come back next month for another new episode of Trekker Talk. Podcast Network. We are not affiliated with Dark Horse Comics or Ron Randall. The views expressed on the show are solely ours. Music is taken from the album Royalty Free Music, Movies, and Videos from the Royalty Free Music Club. We make no money from this podcast and no copyright infringement is intended. Music